It's the Tuesday trade block. Anthony Castro events of MLB.com dropped a piece with seven potential trades that MLB teams should make, and we got to talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And a little bit different format to the Tuesday trade block. We're not soliciting input on Twitter from everybody. I wasn't sure Twitter would still be around for this one. But rather, we're talking about Anthony's article on MLB.com. I'll link it in the show notes for audio and in the description on YouTube. But He dropped this on Black Friday, and this was seven potential trades that MLB teams should consider making. I know that uh, he themed it as a a Black Friday, you know, trying to ride the the algorithm wave, and I'm totally cool with that. Smart idea. A lot of people do that. But I've broken them into three different groups of trades. Group one for segment one is trades that I really think could probably happen Maybe a little bit of tweaking, but these are the most likely. So the first one combines the Orioles and the Marlins. If you've listened to this show any, you probably know where this is going. This is right-hand pitcher Pablo Lopez to the Orioles. The compensation is different than we've talked about before because it's outfielder Cedric Mullins. Uh, the, The Marlins need a center fielder. And when we tried to make this trade happen in the past, we were trying to be We were hesitant to move the big leaguer in Mullins. And there's been some recent indications that they may be more open to doing that than they were in the past. So kind of recap you where these these guys are. Pablo Lopez just finished the 2022 season. 32 games, uh, 10-10 record, 3.75 ERA, and 180 innings pitched. 174 strikeouts to 53 walks. So 8.7 strikeouts per nine to 2.7 walks per nine, 21 home runs. And we discussed this on an earlier Tuesday trade block. There's been some changes to his pitch mix. And I think that a little bit of adjustment can bring him back to maybe the 2021 or 2019 levels that he was producing. But either way, 180 innings, uh, he was durable, lasted the whole thing, gives you professional big league innings with an ERA that is good enough where you can still be competitive and win games. So I absolutely think uh, that this trade makes sense for the Orioles. Now, shipping out Cedric Mullins was something that I was always hesitant to to do in the past. And we saw him have a very good 2021. I had him on my fantasy team and I really loved it. 291, 360, 518 with 30 home runs. And 30 stolen bases. The 30-30 season's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Didn't quite hit the same levels of power production in 2022. Part of that is, you'll remember, they changed uh, the dimensions of the field. They, They extended the left field wall out both up and in distance. Uh, his power numbers or his overall stat line dropped as well. I don't think it's all because of that. But 258, 318, 403 with um, 16 home runs, 52 extra base hits, and then 34 of 44 on stolen bases, 47 walks to 126 strikeouts. And the reason that I think they're now 
more prepared to trade Cedric Mullins than they were last time we did this article is because of the performance of some of the minor league outfielders. Heston Kierstad was a big question mark after getting drafted. He had the myokinitis, missed an entire year, uh, looked a lot better this year, and then looked really good in the fall league. And I think when you combine a lot of uh, the performances in the high minors from some of the other outfielders combined with uh, with that, with Heston Kierstad looking good at the Arizona Fall League, I think you're a little more comfortable about being able to use your prospect depth to fill in in center field. And so, like, Kyle Stowers was already up. I could see him in right field. Left field, until Kierstad's ready, you can do a mix of, uh, of Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander. And then center field, you're looking at Colton Kowser, 2021 first rounder out of Sam Houston State. Got 138 games in last year. Between high A, double A, triple A. 278, 406, 469. 19 home runs, 57 extra base hits, 174 strikeouts to 94 walks. And again, that's 138 games. So a little bit of swing and miss issues there. And then 18 to 21 on stolen bases. But 16 of those 18 were in high A where there was a little bit more severe restrictions on what you could do for pickoffs and things like that. So big story here for Colton Kowser is Above average at just about everything. Um, He's got pull side power. I think he can grow into more consistent power, but he's going to give you uh, above average on base percentage. I mean, he had an on base of over 400 last year. Plenty of walks there. Defense, center field, he's going to be, I think right now, probably average to above average. I definitely would have him as above average in a corner. But again, I think your best deployment is probably Stowers uh, in right. Kowser in center, and then again, Santander and Hayes in left until Kierstad's ready. Um, so, okay with this trade. I like this trade. I think this trade could happen tomorrow if both teams agreed to it. Just done. Uh, the second trade was Cardinals and Blue Jays. And this was, we've seen these paired together quite a bit. This was catcher Alejandro Kirk for second baseman Nolan Gorman and right-hand pitcher Freddie Pacheco. Grades out as close to even on MLB trade values. But the issue I think you have here is I don't necessarily know if the Blue Jays are going to move Kirk or not. Uh, It it feels like when you look at their three catchers that they have, you've got Danny Jansen, who's got two years of team control remaining, hit 15 home runs last year in about 72 games. Uh, He kind of leaned into that whole pull hitter thing. You have Alejandro Kirk, 139 games. Uh, got a Silver Slugger award last year. Only hit about 14 home runs, but uh, 285 average. And then you got Gabriel Moreno, who small cup of coffee. 25 games, 319 average, six years of team control remaining. It feels like your your hierarchy here for these three guys is Moreno is the number one most appealing guy. He's a no doubt 1A starting catcher. Alejandro Kirk, to me, Feels like he's second on the list. And I like him as a 1B. Probably DHing him a little bit more than catching. Simply because I'm worried about like... He's made strides defensively. He's gotten better. But I worry necessarily about his durability as he gets into his late 20s and then in his 30s. Uh, the physical profile is a little bit less than ideal for a, from a longevity standpoint. You know how catching's hard on your knees. And then Danny Jansen... Two years remaining, uh, feels like he's most likely to get moved. I think there's a lot of stuff about him that 
you can't adequately measure. He's really high, highly valued within the Blue Jays organization. Uh, his experience, his ability to manage pitchers, uh, calling a game, all that kind of stuff. And so I think he's the most appealing for a contender because you can go out and get him and plug him in right away. So I don't like so. So ultimately, the, the deal was Alejandro Kirk for second baseman Nolan Gorman and right hand pitcher Freddie Pacheco. I don't think that the Blue Jays really would love to trade Kirk unless they know something about his about him physically that we don't. And I don't know that Nolan Gorman is somebody that the Cardinals are necessarily ready to move on from. Great offensive bat. We saw him struggle at second base. We've talked about this on the show. They had the defensive replacement for him quite a bit. But now that your, your DH spot is opening, now that Albert Pujols is retired, you have the ability to play Gorman at DH four days a week. And then you can cycle Goldschmidt and Arenado, give them days off, let them have like a day off where they just DH every week, and you can play Gorman at first and third. And so I think they're open to that. With Jordan Walker going to the outfield, you have an excess out there. So I think the counter proposal I want to give you here is we're going to keep Freddie Pacheco in the deal. Uh, 2017 IFA, I really like the slider. I think it's one of the best sliders in the organization. It's definitely his out pitch. The fastball sits mid-90s to go along with that. Changeup's kind of fringe to average. But he was better in AAA last year than AA. So he could absolutely help the Blue Jays sooner rather than later. You saw them prioritize a reliever in the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Uh, Keep Pacheco in there, but then look at one of the outfielders like a Lars Newtbar. I think that's something you want to keep Carlson because of the potential of Carlson. You'll have Jordan Walker. You've got a couple other outfielders there ready to play in St. Louis. In return for Newtbar and Pacheco, you're getting Danny Jansen. And then I think the Cardinals would ask for because you only have two years of control of Jansen, I think they would ask for a lower-level lottery pitching prospect. If it's me, I'm going for right-hand pitcher C.J. Van Eyck. Uh, out in 2022 with Tommy John, but I like the potential if you can bring him back from that. Or like left-hand pitcher Kendry Rojas. Bottom half of the top 30, but a lot of tools and things that are really intriguing. So, seems like it's a more likely trade than an Alejandro Kirk for Gorman trade, but either way, great bones, great pairing of things. Uh, definitely a good job by Anthony to put those together. And just a minute, I, there's two trades here that I'm a little bit questionable about, but whether or not they'd happen, but I like the structure. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Uh, football, both college and pro. Basketball, for both men and women, both college and pro. Uh, soccer in the World Cup right now. Esports, they've got everything at BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so there's some more trades in here that I'm interested in, and I think the concepts are good. I don't know if the teams themselves will actually do them, but I like the deal. So the first one here is... Uh, combining the Mets and the Red Sox. And this is a really, really interesting deal. So we all know the Met, uh, the Red Sox had to trade Mookie Betts. They couldn't sign an extension. They wanted to get below the the luxury tax. And they could, they might be losing Xander Bogarts this offseason. They probably are. The big question has been, why have they not uh, re-signed 
Rafi Devers yet. Rafi Big Scoops. Why have they not re-signed Rafi Devers at third base for an extension? Uh, and if they, for some reason, decide that they can't and they need to trade him entering his walk year, Anthony's proposal was to do it with the Mets. And so here's the deal. Rafi Big Scoops goes from the Red Sox to the Mets in his walk year. And for that, the Red Sox get third baseman Brett Beatty, which is a top three prospect for the Mets. Right-hand pitcher Blade Tidwell, top 10 prospect, best pitching prospect in the organization. Uh, and outfielder Nick Morabito. So kind of breaking this down, if you look at Devers, uh, Second or third year of being an All-Star this year, 295, 358, 521 across 141 games, 27 home runs, 70 extra base hits, 50 walks to 114 strikeouts. Absolutely is fantastic and is a great uh, a, a, a great offensive player, can more than hold his own defensively, and would immediately upgrade the Mets lineup. Uh the trade being Beatty and Tidwell, I honestly, this is one of my favorite deals in the entire piece. I love this trade. Uh, so for Brett Beatty, 2019 first rounder out of high school, had 89 games in AA last year, brief cameo in AAA, brief big league call-up, home, hit a homer in his first game, but had an elbow injury missed the rest of the year. So 89 games in AA, 312, 406, 544. Remember one of the flags that we look for with prospects is a slash line that's 300, 400, 500. Like, Brett Beatty had that. 19 home runs, 41 extra base hits, 44 walks to 98 strikeouts in 89 games, and 2 of 5 on stolen bases. He's got a plus arm. He plays above average defense, and athletically, he's good enough where you could try him in left field as well. He could play a little bit of left field if you needed them to. Uh, offensively, high on base percentage, like, he's going to get on quite a bit. He's got above-average power, and when he makes contact, it's very high-quality contact. I've been looking at some of the some of the, the exit velos, both the max and the average. Very, I mean, average is in the 90s. The max is like 90th percentile. Very good quality contact. To go along with that, when you're putting in um, Blake Tidwell into this, 2022 second rounder out of Tennessee. It's a plus fastball, sits in the mid-90s, can touch 99. Uh, he's done a lot of work to get better at using it. He threw it a lot down and away in college. I watched him do this, like I scouted them three or four times in person in college. Uh, now he's throwing it more up in the zone, which we've talked about. That's where fastballs are more effective in the big leagues, as well as throwing it in. I think he's got the best slider in the entire Mets farm system. High spin to it. Really effective as far as an out pitch for him. And then he's got a changeup that looked good in college. He just doesn't throw it enough. And so I think improving the changeup where he's comfortable with throwing it some more, as well as refining the fastball command, you have somebody that feels like it's a slam dunk to put him at a number three in a rotation with the stretch into possibly a number two. We'll see what happens. So Rafi Devers for Brett Beatty, Blade Tidwell, and then outfitter Nick Morbido. The third piece is kind of interchangeable. You can mix that with something else, whatever the Red Sox think they need out of the system. I love this deal. I think this is a very good deal. This keeps you with Mark Vientos, if you're the Mets, who uh, is can play third, but is probably going to end up playing first. And so 
you you answer your your third base problem if you if you resign Rafael Devers, you still keep Vientos, you still keep Alvarez, and so uh, you're giving up a guy at a position where you have extra talent because Vientos can play third base. Again, I think he's going to end up being a first, but he can play third. Uh, and you're dealing from a position of strength when it comes to your pitching. Love, love, love this deal. The other deal, uh, it's I like it. I don't know if the teams will do it, but it pairs the Yankees and the White Sox. And this one's, again, really interesting. Third baseman Juan Moncada of the White Sox and right-hand pitcher Jimmy Lambert, so a, a relief prospect, going to the Yankees for second baseman Gliber Torres, third baseman Josh Donaldson, and some cash, just about $11 million, 10.8. So this deal does a couple things for both teams. If you'll remember on the mailbag on Monday, we talked about the White Sox trying to figure out the outfield corners and trying to find a way to improve at second base. And they don't necessarily have any sort of great infield options uh, for second base. We we talked about Remy Gonzalez, Lennon Sosa, nothing really great. So one, you immediately improved that with Gliber Torres. And had a down year last year, but there's a thought process here about him being able to get back to the form that you saw when he was the main piece in the Aroldis Chapman trade with the Cubs. So, uh, Gliber Torres going there. It gets Moncada's money off of the books. He's owed almost $25 million next year and then a $5 million buyout in 2024. And so Donaldson has a buyout as well, but the money comes out. You add a little bit of payroll in 23 for significantly less in 24, I believe, if I have that right. And so there's that. Um, the issue that you have from the White Sox side is, and, and Anthony does a great job of mentioning this in the piece and linking to, to something about it, is you have a little bit of a history between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. They've had some stuff happen in the past personally with each other. Uh, they'd have to get over that. But either way, I really think that that's appealing from the White Sox side because it doesn't, like it's, it, it financially it helps you as well as it fixes the obvious hole at second base that you can't fix with internal options. From the Yankees' perspective, uh, one, Juan Moncada, it's better, like, He's had an up-and-down career, but it's a little bit uh, better long-term potential than Josh Donaldson. Donaldson's good defensively. He's going to upgrade defense at third base for the White Sox, but he's also, I think, 38 or so. And so it gives you a little bit better uh, long-term potential there with Moncada at third, as well as it clears second base so that you can call up Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza. Uh, Peraza was up last year. We were yelling all through the playoffs. He needed to start at second base, or start, start at shortstop over Isaiah Kinner-Falefa. It didn't necessarily happen till it was almost too late in the playoffs, but uh, it frees it frees up second base to bring both those guys up. You have Oswaldo Cabrera; he can play the outfield. He had he was one of the leaders, league, team leaders in assists from the outfield, despite not playing a ton out there. But he can play in the outfield. You can use him in the infield if you think one of those guys isn't necessarily ready. Probably a Volpe. But this gets you Peraz as your shortstop, Volpe as your second baseman. You can go ahead and you can start it right away. You can get that going. So I like the deal. I don't know how likely these teams are to actually do it. 
but I do like the deal. In just a minute, we've got uh, three more. Little bit hesitant on these, including one I've kind of got a significant issue with. Uh, But we'll get to that right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. Okay, so there's a couple deals in here. I told you there were seven. There's three deals in Anthony's piece that I don't think are going to happen for different reasons. So the first one is a Shohei Otani trade. And it's the Angels and the Giants. The Giants get Shohei Otani. The Angels get three top three prospects um, and five total top 25 prospects. So it's infielder Marshall Luciano, number one prospect in the system. Uh, Left-hand pitcher Kyle Harrison, number two prospect in the system. I think probably the best left-hand pitching prospect in baseball right now. Uh, Outfielder Luis Matos, number three. And then right-hand pitchers Mason Black and Gregory Santos. Now, Shohei Otani, Perry Minazzi, the general manager, has said that Shohei Otani is not available right now, like this this offseason. They've also done different moves, made different moves to show they are trying to build a competitive team around him in his last uh, year of team control. They just wait, they just traded for Hunter Renfro. They're making deals to get guys to make a push. So I don't hate the package. I think the package in and of itself is a good package. I just don't think this is going to happen because of both the actions and the words of the Angels. So move on from there. There is one in here as well. Guardians and A's. Catcher Sean Murphy going to the Guardians. And then the A's get right-hand pitcher Gavin Williams and middle infielder Brian Rocchio. Not going to go into a ton of detail on this just because we've done a Tuesday Trade Block episode on Sean Murphy. And we did a crossover with the Guardians just two weeks ago where we talked about potential packages if they were to trade for Sean Murphy. So I don't think this is absolutely ridiculous. I think this is entirely reasonable for a trade to make. It's just something where where we've covered this at length, so I'm not necessarily going to go into it. The one, the last one, the one I do want to kind of get into, and this is the one that Anthony took some flack for on Twitter from people, was Dodgers and Brewers. And this is the trade uh, that he proposed. Right-hand pitcher Corbin Burns, which we had a whole show about uh, Corbin Burns getting traded. Outfielder Christian Yelich. And shortstop Willie Adamas going to the Dodgers. And then from the like from the Dodgers to the Brewers, the package was uh, three top 10 prospects and four top 15 prospects in total. Outfielder Andy Pages, uh, the number five prospect in the Dodgers system. Right-hand pitcher Ryan Pipo, uh, sixth prospect in the system. Catcher Dalton Rushing. And right-hand pitcher Landon Knack. And... To Anthony's credit, he admits right there up front, okay, this would never happen, but it's an interesting concept. Uh, the The whole thing here, financially, you're resetting. You're getting one of the two expensive arms off of the payroll because Burns is going to get more expensive in arbitration. The man won a dang Cy Young. Uh, Christian Yelich is owed $156 million still, and so it gets him off of there as well. And then shortstop Willie Adamas is supposed to projected to make about $9.2 million in arbitration this year. So it clears a lot of payroll for you and gets you back some promising prospects. Here's my issue with the deal. Uh, is Pages and Rushing, to me, is not the right combination of top prospects to lead this with. We talked 
The first segment in Monday's show was about the Milwaukee outfield after the Hunter Renfro trade. And we talked about, even if you keep Christian Yelich, you still have Sal Frelick and Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer all just about ready to come up and debut to combine with Esturi Ruiz, Tyrone Taylor, and they just signed Blake Perkins. So you already have too many outfielders. Even if you move Yelich, the last thing I think you need to do is bring in another outfielder to try to add into that mix. I mean, Joey Weimer uh, and Andy Pages are very similar play styles as far as like an ideal right field power hitting big arm kind of guy. So I don't think Andy Pages is the right uh, lead of this package. And then... The, the the catchers last year for the Milwaukee Brewers, Victor Carantini caught 95 games. Omar Navarez played in 84 games. Carantini's slash line, 199, 300, 342. Navarez's slash line, 206, 292, 305. Combined for 13 home runs. You need better production from your catching position and you need somebody who can, who's just about ready to play now. Uh, they're not going to go out and sign Wilson Contreras. They're not going to spend that kind of money. This is a payroll dump. They're not going to go out and add a big name bat and a guy who's not even that fantastic defensively. And so I, and Dalton Rushing is not ready. Dalton Rushing is probably, uh, the projections are one to two years away from the bigs. So I think what you need to do if you're making this deal, I think you need to uh, get Diego Cartaya because he is ready knowing that the Dodgers still have Will Smith and they are fine behind the plate. they can It's a position of strength. They can afford to deal Diego Cartaya because they have rushing behind him getting ready while they have Will Smith under team control. And then swapping out Andy Pages for a position player, my thought would be something like a shortstop Jacob Amaya, something like that. Uh, Still ask for Ryan Pipo. Still ask for Landon Knack. I'm going to go out there and ask for one more pitching piece. Ronan Kopp, to me, the lefty, feels like a guy that has a quality, of, a combination of traits and, and athleticism that the Brewers can mold into an, a very effective pitcher. So if this deal happens, I think one of the reasons that Brewers fans were so annoyed is they didn't like the return because... Like, not thinking about the fact you're sending out a negative trade asset in Christian Yelich. I think this package could work from a financial perspective if you adjust the return. Is it going to be a popular trade when it happens? It is not. It is not going to be popular among Brewers fans, just like the Josh Hader trade wasn't popular among Brewers fans. But I do think it would be uh, effective if you get the right combination of guys back. Diego Cartaya, Jacob Amaya and then at least three pitching prospects. You know, maybe you have a flyer or a player to be named later or something like that later as well. But uh, adjust the return, and I could see this package working out on both sides, even if the fans didn't like it. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, if you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at LockedOnFarm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. (laughs) 